ready for our next guest right now. He is uh, the play-by-play voice of the Houston Astros, uh, Todd Callis, joining us right now on FT Live. And also has brought a lot of good, we talked about FT Mojo during the season when like we'd bring players on, Todd. You kind of did that to the organization, right? Because <laughs> when did you join the Astros broadcast team? 17 was my first year. Seven straight ALCS. It's kind of crazy. Wow. So you don't really know what losing tastes like as a play-by-play <laughs> team guy, do you? As a play-by-play team guy, no, but I was with some really bad teams before that. I was with the Mets my first year, and they wrote a book called The Worst Team Money Could Buy about that New York Mets 1992 team. Uh, and then with those 70 wins, that was the most wins I had for my first 10 years in Major League Baseball. So I paid my dues early, and I'm getting it on the back end here with the Astros' success. Hey, I want to get this out of the way because – I I loved your dad and everything he did, uh, the way he announced. I want to give you a little bit of what I think he sounded like. Can you give me like a 1 through 10, 10 being the best? You got it. All right, is that all right? Let's kick this off. Now batting for your <laughs> fills, Bobby Abreu. That baby's out of here. What do you think? I like it. I, I give okay, it a solid, right. a solid 8. How about that? All right, we'll take it. We'll take it, man. I, I had to good. get that off my chest. Uh, that he was, was good. He was I the best. It. I love whenever anybody brings back memories of dad. He was uh, so special to me, obviously, and so special to the game and so special to the city uh, that, yeah, I always try. I always love when people remember him. And a lot of our fans saying right now in the chat, one of the best voices in the yes, game right now talking to Todd. All right, so let's let's dig into the Astros. I mean, we got you here for timeliness purposes, too. How shocked were you? that they were the ones that ended up with Hater. I mean, we have a lot of respect for how this team's won, especially over the last several years, to maintain this kind of competitiveness. But you know, Todd, they don't usually do this in free agency. No, you're right, Scott. That was a shocking move for sure. Even within the organization, a lot of people were very surprised. I happened to be on our caravan that day out to Austin, and we were with our manager, Joe Espada, and our general manager, Dana Brown. So... We kind of heard rumblings of things happening before it actually got out uh, on social media. And then once it got out, we're like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy because they've been straddling that collective bargaining tax line pretty much the whole offseason for them to go beyond and way beyond that that threshold uh, was was shocking. I, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Obviously, it changed a lot of people's attitudes this weekend because we just had Fan Fest and everybody was fired up about the hater news. Wait, you guys have a fan fest? That's that's amazing. That teams would do things like that. And if the questions weren't scripted, even better. Uh, it's amazing what happens when you go to seven straight LCSs. You don't have to script questions, and you, and you actually can have fan fest. So go Astros. Uh, does this give Does this give the Astros the best back three guys in a bullpen? I mean, you have Abreu, who people really don't know that much about, but you look at him; he was almost unhittable, right? Presley hasn't given up a run in a or hasn't blown a save in a postseason game in, it feels like, 20 years. And then you bring in Josh Hader, one of the greatest closers of all time. I mean, that's seven, eight, nine, pretty much locked down for Joe Espada and the rest of the team. Yeah, AJ, uh, Brian Abreu could be a closer for a dozen to 15 teams in this league. There's no doubt about it. Brian Presley, as you mentioned, I don't think it's – 21 might have been the last time he gave up an earned run in the postseason. I think he's like 22 and two-thirds with a zero – uh, since then. So it's ridiculous how good he's been in the postseason. And I've got Hayter, who's been one of the toughest guys ever uh, in terms of opponents batting average against lethal from the left side. They haven't really had a lefty the last few years out of their bullpen. So now they have one of the best lefties that's pitched out of the bullpen in Major League Baseball in the last five to ten years. So yeah, 
those are nice pieces for, for Joe Espada to juggle. Seven, eight, nine. He hasn't decided yet who's going to get the ball in the ninth inning. Uh, could be matchups based on who's up in the lineup, lefty versus righty. But uh, Presley has done the job so well through the years. And now Josh Hader is just incredible to have him in the mix. I, I want to get talking about Joe a little bit. He was my third base coach with the Yankees. Uh, he's been looking for this opportunity forever. And I, and I think he's the right man for it. I think he's excited for it. Can you talk to us a little bit about Joe and his perspective and what you know, you think he's going to bring to the table for the Astros this year? Yeah, Todd, I just re- saw Joe literally half an hour ago before I came on the air with you guys. He's uh, he's in the clubhouse today. A lot of guys are working out today, getting ready for spring training. He's going down in a couple of weeks. He's fired up. He certainly was the right guy for this job. I mean, he's been filling in that bench coach role for A.J. Hinch and Dusty Baker. Uh, he knows the guys. He's been through the wars with these guys. Uh, since he's been here, they've been to three World Series uh, they've been in the ALCS every year, obviously. Uh, he's the right guy. He, he's in the trenches with these guys. He and Altuve are very close. Uh, he's going to be perfect in this transition. And I can't wait to see uh, him get his first shot to manage this year. I, I can't wait to see how well this team does behind him. Todd, do you think he'll be satisfied now and in a good place with the bullpen? Obviously, I love the hater move too. But they lost, what, over 200 innings? Going back to last year, if you include Graveman and Mayton, Stanick, and who am I forgetting? One more name. Nerys, which we can talk about too here included. But what do you think from a depth perspective? Quality, they're good. We we feel like those dudes are healthy for the playoffs. They're good. Depth perspective. And I know, who is it, uh, who I loved years ago? Farce Whitley, I think, is going to move to the bullpen. Are they okay heading into the season with enough arms? They're better. They're better with Hader in the back end, but you're still going to have guys that are kind of unproven in that middle part of the bullpen. Forrest Whitley being one of them has not pitched in the major leagues. He could be a candidate for that middle part of the bullpen. Somebody, if they don't use six starters out of the gates, will be moved from the rotation to the bullpen. So uh, that'll be a new role for that person, whoever that might be. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it'll be a little different. I think two years ago, guys, when, in the 2022 season, it's the first time, the old adage in baseball is you never have enough pitching. It's the first time I've ever seen a team that had enough pitching. They were locked down in their rotation. They were locked down the entire bullpen. There was a one-week link. Usually you have guys, you like have three or four guys you use when you're ahead of the game. You have a few guys you'll use when you're tied or behind in the game. They could have used any one of those eight arms out of the bullpen in 22 when they were ahead of the game. They were that good. So uh, it's not quite as deep as that bullpen was two years ago or even last year. With the loss of Stanek, as you mentioned, and Neris and Maton, and now with the injury to Graveman. Uh, but they'll be fine with those three guys at the back end. If you can get your starter to go five, then you might only need one or two guys to get to those lockdown guys. What are teams going to get? Whoever signs Hector Neris, what are teams going to get? I know how awesome he was for the Astros last year, but what what is something that he brings that people don't know about besides a fastball and a split, basically? What he brings, I'm glad you asked, is one of the best personalities you'll ever see in the game. And he is the best conduit I've ever seen between Latin American players and the guys here in the U.S. I mean, he completely blends everybody together. The first time he got down to spring training when he was signed as an Astro, he got every guy out to dinner. It wasn't just the guys on the 40-man. It wasn't just the guys on the 25-man. It was every minor league kid who wanted to show up for dinner, who was uh, from Latin America, he paid for that first dinner. He talked to them all. He said, this is what I'm about. Whenever you have a problem, here's my number. He is one of the best people on the planet, and he is going to be great for whoever picks him up. Now, with, with Hader in the back end, what does this mean for 
Bregman, who's a free agent next year. Altuve's up pretty soon. The Astros, I know they're they're never going to be a top five spending team. They're always going to kind of be in that fringy top 10-ish area. They do sign guys to contracts. But with Hayter locking in, Verlander's a free agent at the end of the year, right? Fromber's right there also. Are they going to be able to keep all these guys and continue this championship domination they've had for all these years? The short answer is they probably can't keep everybody. But now that they went beyond the threshold of that collective bargaining tax, I, I competitive bar, uh, balance ta- tax, I think they're going to be better off now with their chances to sign more of these guys. I think Altuve was a no-brainer. Jose said he wants to be here. They're going to work out a deal with Jose Altuve. He's going to sign. Bregman, you thought going into this before the hater signing, that might be unlikely because they're right there at that threshold. But now that they're beyond that with Hayter, who knows? Maybe Jim Crane says, let's just keep this thing rolling and, and sign Breggy to a long-term deal. Verlander, even though he is uh, due at the end of this year, does have a clause in his contract where if he does pitch 140 innings, which he seems to do almost every year other than his Tommy John year, if he pitches 140 innings, then he's good for 2025 with a player option. So um, it could be a pretty big salary cap uh, tax on top of what we have now with Hader. If Verlander gets 140 innings and they sign Bregman and they sign Altuve, and then the next year you've got Framber Valdez and Kyle Tucker do. So it's going to be an interesting uh, moving of the pieces here to see how far above that threshold they go. Is this the first time that I was trying to clarify, because I've seen it in different places, that they are on pace to go over the luxury tax number in a full season? One other time, and then they got right below it the next year. So this could be the first time they're over it back-to-back years if Verlander makes his innings and they sign out to Van Bregman, I don't see how they stay under it next year. Why do you think that's the case? And also, I think sometimes we go a little too crazy about it anyway because it isn't a hard salary cap, even though some owners treat it that way. The penalty, if you're just going over every once in a while and you're just kind of tiptoeing over, is not that bad. Well, I think that's how they viewed it is they they were like, yeah, let's go over. If we go over it once, let's get back below the threshold the next year. Obviously, the more you go year in, year out, two, three, four years, now all of a sudden you're paying major penalties. So that's what Jim Crane has tried to avoid in the past, whether it was with with Jeff Luno or with James Click or now with Dana Brown. He's been trying to avoid going over it multiple years in a row. I think, as we mentioned earlier, it's going to be an interesting chess game to see how they do that next year uh, if, in fact, they sign both those guys, Altuve and Bregman, in addition to Hayter and Verlander and Alvarez and all the other guys that are here now. I want to ask about Dusty Baker a little bit. <clears throat> I play with him with the Reds. Phenomenal manager, one of my favorite guys. Um, what is With this kind of loss, a guy with this wisdom, I mean, do you think they'll pick up where they left off? Is there something different that's going to happen during the season? Because time and wisdom, a guy that's been around the block before, he's cool as the other side of the pillow. You know, you're going to miss that for sure. No doubt. We're going to have a lot fewer stories to listen to this season than we did the last three. <laughs> Dusty was the man. I mean, Dusty was a guy, as you know, who can talk about any topic you want. Oh, He spanned every every culture. He, he, he knew more guys in music than people that are even in the music industry. He knew guys in Hollywood. He obviously knows guys in baseball. He knows uh, guys that have great fish, fishing charters in every city we went to. The guy's an incredible worldly man. He is one of the most interesting people I've ever met. Uh, we will miss all his conversations. But uh, Joe Espada is a guy that's been in the trenches. I really don't think they're going to miss a beat in terms of how they play on the field. Uh, we're certainly going to miss, miss Dusty and his friendship and his stories. Uh, but I think Joe is going to be just fine uh, taking that baton and running with it. 
My next question to you, um, did you see this run coming from the Rangers? I know you saw them play a lot. It just seemed like, all right, they're in. You know, what's going to happen next? Guys stepped up. It was uh, Montgomery doing his thing. And then, you know, Evan Carter just going back and forth. They had some guys that just stepped up and dominated. Did you see this coming from them at all? I did. I thought because it was their second straight year really unloading in the free agent market. The year before, obviously, was the middle infield. Uh, with Seager and Simeon, and then all of a sudden they were stockpiling starter after starter after starter after starter. A lot of them they needed because there were so many injuries to their starting rotation with Evaldi going down and other guys going down. Uh, but yeah, once Nathan was healthy and Montgomery was a stud in the postseason, uh, that was a tough that was a tough out. I, I don't think the Rangers have done a whole lot this offseason. I don't think anybody else in the division has really done much in the AL West other than the Hater signing for the Astros and Caratini. Uh, but yeah, I, I like the Astros' chances, but I did think back-to-back years with the Rangers spending a lot of money that they really had a shot to be something in 2024. Did I think they were going to win the World Series? Excuse me, in 2023. Did I think they were going to win the World Series? No, but I thought they were going to battle the Astros at the AL West. Uh, I thought the Angels had a shot to do some damage. I certainly thought Seattle was going to be better than they were last year, but I thought the Rangers really had a shot uh, last year to challenge the Astros for the division. Yeah, but you still thought the Astros were going to win the division, just like Alex Bregman. You thought the Astros were going to go to the World Series. I mean, you guys are spoiled up there, in, you know, down there in Houston now. You know, I remember the days when, you know, 2013, the Astros couldn't even win 40 games or whatever it was. So, you know, you guys are just spoiled now. What, what did you make of the Maldonado for Caratini? Basically a trade. You paid Caratini a bunch of money, two years, $12 million, to come in and basically teach Yonder Diaz how to be the everyday catcher. Maldonado went on to the White Sox. What's going to be missing? I know, listen, Maldonado was Dusty Baker's, I mean, baby, whatever you want to call it. He was like his toy, right? He was like, okay, I'm, I'm, this is my guy, and he was going to die on the sword for Maldonado while everyone in the organization and in the fans were saying, we want Diaz to catch. So what is Diaz going to bring to the table, and what are the Astros going to miss from Maldonado? Hey, you characterize that very accurately. Dusty, you guys would have loved this uh, as veterans later in your career. Dusty loves veterans. He would he would never bench a veteran for a young kid, even though Yiner Diaz's numbers spoke to getting more playing time. So uh, you're right. The front office wanted to see Yiner play more last year. Other people wanted to see Yiner play more last year. But Maldi was Dusty's guy. And Maldi was also Justin Verlander's guy. He was also Fromber Valdez's guy. He caught those guys' starts all the time. So had they brought back Maldi, who was an incredible influence in the clubhouse. And you can never take anything away from what Maldi did all those years getting to the World Series. The last five years, the, the worst the Astros have done is get to Game 7 of the ALCS, and Maldi was a huge part of that. But if Maldi came back, now all of a sudden they wanted Yiner to be the number one guy, but Maldi already has a relationship with Verlander. He already has a relationship with Fromber. You can't really change him to the backup guy if your top two pitchers are going to want to throw with Maldonado. So uh, for them to get Yiner in the mix, they needed to, to let Maldi go. Caratini is now the backup. And what you're going to see out of Yiner Diaz is the guy who might be one of the top three or four best offensive catchers in the game next year. He was he might have been rookie of the year had he had more playing time last year. His defense has improved. Uh, he throws very well. Uh, he's getting better at framing and calling a game. And I think you're going to see one of the better young catchers uh, in the game here. I'd say Easily top five in the in the American League and maybe top ten in the major leagues uh, in terms of a catcher right now. Um, I'm going to mix in one fan question. So D Rod, who's one of our regulars here, c- kind of two, but they can go together. 
Dirad said, would it be better to sign Tucker and Valdez long-term than Bregman and Altuve? And who plays third for the Astros after Bregman or, you know, if he goes and, and really just having to do with what the reinforcements look like. Cause I don't think this team is highly ranked per se in terms of their farm system. Although I will say this is one of those clubs that develops and overachieves on that front. I think that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Crazy how much they've overachieved because they don't get near, uh, near the top of the baseball America rankings and probably rightfully so they didn't have any first round picks after uh, paying those penalties for what happened in 2017. But yeah, I, right now there's nobody that's really pushing to be that next third baseman. I think the closest guy might be Will Wagner. He's Billy Wagner's son, and he's really uh, impressed with how he's moved up in the minor leagues. So we'll see how Will does this year, and hopefully, knock on wood, Billy gets in uh, tomorrow into the Hall of Fame. Uh, but in terms of Altuve and Bregman, Altuve is kind of – he wants to be here. He's the face of the franchise. I would be shocked if you see Altuve in a different uniform after 2024. Bregman – We'll have to see how that plays out. But, yes, the question was, would you rather see Fromberg, Tucker, as opposed to Bregman and Altuve? Altuve, I don't see going anywhere. Bregman, we'll see. Between Fromberg and Tucker, I would love to see them both come back. If it's not possible, I mean, shoot, you've got Fromberg who can be as good as anybody any five day, every five days when he's locked in. And Tucker is going to be an MVP one of these years. It's just a matter of time. So I don't know who I would choose between those two if it's just one. Okay, fair. So a uh, question for you on where this team is at right now and the run that they've been on. Obviously, it was before you got there as a broadcaster, but they went through the pain, right? There was the kind of old school, not old school, but the classic take it all down to the scraps and then build it back up tanking, obviously, which some teams have done and, and, and done successfully. The Cubs did that, of course, and led to a World Series. But there's been almost like half the league following that model since then. Do you feel like the Astros and the Cubs, I guess, to an extent, just because at least they won and they they got rid of that curse, set the bar too high and we're seeing that too frequently? Now the Orioles are the latest example and every owner's looking around like, hey, let's just do what they did, you know? But I feel like it overall is not good for the – or it's terrible for the sport because you do lose a generation of fans and you hope that there's a better way. The Astros have been able to say that was just one time we've got this going now. But I feel like there's some teams that are doing multiple cycles like this. Like the Marlins look like they're about to do it again, and they really only had the one playoff appearance for five minutes. Yeah, I mean, teams have tried it. And Mike Elias went from the Astros to the Orioles, and, you know, it's paying off now for the Orioles. I think they're going to have a a run for the next – three to five years where they could be one of the top teams in baseball. So it could work for the Orioles just like it worked for the Astros when Mike was working under Jeff Luno. But uh, to your point, there's also a lot of examples of teams that have tried and failed and and not been able to use those draft picks to really build up their team the way they wanted to, like the Astros or the Cubs or the Orioles most recently. So, yeah, um, I would love to see every team go for it every year. I would love to see 30 teams go for it. It's not the reality of how teams are looking at things right now because if they feel like they don't have a chance, they want to try and stockpile those top picks and and get better in the future. But um, it's only worked for those three teams and not a whole lot of others that that have kind of come and gone through some last place finishes. And I've got one more for you because you spent some time, obviously you do every year in Oakland. So our crew behind the scenes was wondering, did you – have an encounter with the famous possum there. How were your surroundings when you were in Oakland? And obviously it's a sad story. We've been covering it a ton on the show here, but what was that experience like for you? It is a sad story. And they, they 
got the they've got the possum kind of blocked off now. So they built this little addendum to the left of where the play by play guy is. So it blocks off where the possum used to be able to enter the booth. So we never had any instances of any possums on our broadcast table. The crew right before us though, we got in there right after the Mets went through their thing. So uh they, they got it ready for the by the time we were in there. <laughs> All right. So speaking of your broadcast booth, you have a guy that I played with for about three months and Jeff Blum. Does he ever talk about the home run he hit in Houston and how much he was a big deal for Houston not winning the World Series one year? That's the craziest thing. And we just had our meeting with Joe and Blummer was there, Julian Morales, myself. So I just saw Blummer literally right before I talked to you guys too. It's the craziest thing that this guy can be the broadcaster for the Houston Astros and never mention the greatest moment of his career. But he basically can't. <laughs> he can't, right? I mean, obviously, if he was a Chicago White Sox broadcaster, they'd play it every every month of the season, and he'd be mentioning it all the time. But here in Houston, fans just don't want to hear it not for obvious reasons. I mean, he beat the Houston Astros in 2005 and led to that four-game sweep. Every game, as you know, A.J. was super close. Uh, but those guys, uh, obviously, Blummer is awesome, but he never talks about it here just because uh, it, it brings up bad bad memories for the local did crowd. You, did you see what I did to your guys' picture in your booth during the season? Did he show you what I put up? Yeah, that was pretty well done. Well done. <laughs> what is so it? I took, Tell us. So, so there's a giant picture of uh, Todd, Julia, and uh, Blummer, and they're all like this with their rings. They're, they're from 2017. And so I took the White Sox ring and I and I cut it out and I put it over Blum's ring. So when he walked into the <laughs> broadcast booth the next day, it wasn't his Astros ring. It was a big, it was a big White Sox ring. So listen, Jeff Blum got one at bat in that World Series. I think he's only it swung one time. Yeah, no, I, yeah. And he, and I think he, that was the only swing he took. And he hit a home run in what the 14th inning or whatever it was, in the place you know killer. He was part of the killer bees. You know Biggio, Bagwell, and Blum. So, you know, I mean, it was only fitting the bees were buzzing and Jeff Blum. And then he ends up being the play-by – or, the, sorry, the analyst for yeah. the Astros. I mean, it's a it's a great story. Every time I see him, I'm like, dude, we got to talk about this home run more on TV. And he, like you said, he'll never bring it up. And that one swing's got a little statue outside on the south side of Chicago. That's right. Every time you guys right go there. The I, I, I'm trying to get the picture of him blowing kisses to all the fans. You know, instead of the picture of you and Julia and him – there should just be a big picture of him blowing the kiss to all the Astros fans as he runs off after touching home plate. You're cut from the same cloth as Jeff Bagwell because Baggy, whenever he comes on the broadcast, always tries to get him to talk about 05. And he's like, come on, dude. You know I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> They've got titles and all that since. I feel like it's fine. If it's a team that's like always struggling, maybe it's tougher. But I feel like he can pull it off. No. Without a doubt. I mean, every time he does, he's – he gets blown up on social. I, I guess if you don't pay attention to social, it'll be fine. We we, we were there. We go. We were there trying to hold off. That's why we kept you overtime here, Ty. We were loading up a picture for you. So nice. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And send the screenshot. Obviously, that was to Corey and the four girls. But it could obviously you could be taken a different way for Astros fans. <laughs> I love it. Well, Todd, you're a good sport, and thanks for joining us uh, on this show for the first time. Love what you do. Listen to a ton of your games and your calls throughout the season. Uh, you can follow Todd at Real Todd Callis. Enjoy the rest of the offseason, and we'll see you in spring training, right? Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Fair territory, fresh one. Just 
came out from Ken Rosenthal. You can listen to the audio version. The video version usually comes out a few hours later on YouTube. We do have Ken talking about the surprise, really, in his mind, which I felt the same way, that the Astros were going to spend like this. I give him a ton of credit. I think it's awesome that they're loading up. And this is why I was criticizing the Angels earlier in the show, because I'm like, that kind of high leverage reliever is the icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. Like You don't have the cake. You're like, you got bad batter in the, the Astros. <laughs> the Astros got the whole, well, I know you're hungry already. The Astros yes. got the whole thing going. So here's Ken from a fresh fair territory. This contract for Crane, the owner is a departure. He had never given that much money to a free agent before. He is also on track now to cross the luxury tax threshold, something he has done only once since becoming owner in November 2011, and that was in the 2020 shortened season. So Crane is doing some things a little bit differently, and you might ask why. Now, he's given $100 million extensions before, Altuve and Bregman, Alvarez, but free agency, no, he hasn't done that. What I think is going on here is that Jim Crane sees the Astros' competitive window is starting to close. Now, they've lost big free agents before, Correa and Springer, but they're facing now a real series of losses that could affect them starting this offseason, or I should say next offseason. AJ, do you agree with Ken that maybe they're looking and saying, hey, this lasted for so long, but mm -hmm. sometimes you got to supplement that with in an uncomfortable amount of spending for some, right? But the Astros also, dude, I mean, I don't have their books. I can imagine that they've done quite well as a franchise, mm. business-wise, so they can afford this and still, you know, take a heavy profit off the top and continue to win because now they're used to that. Imagine if the Astros go through like three, four years of pain, they're gonna be like, what the fuck? This isn't what we do. Well, the problem is, is you have big free agents coming up. You don't have mid-level free agents. Bregman, star going to need to get paid right i think he has boris too as an agent doesn't he does bregman have boris i think so i'll double check i, thought he did. I think so I, I'm yes. not, so okay then you have tucker i think also has boris doesn't he fran bravaldo is going to get paid at some point altuve they cannot let Al jose altuve walk okay I, I say what you want about bregman and the other guys jose altuve is the one guy the astros can't let walk so there's another big contract you have to sign you have alvarez already on the books tucker you can't let him it, it's the problem is, is all these guys kind of came due at the same point. Now, listen, they had a great run. You just said, what, seven consecutive ALCSs, two World Series wins in there, numerous other trips to the World Series. This has been one of the great runs we've seen from any team in, in the history of Major League Baseball. So at some point, everything comes to an end. People age out. People go for free agency. People get hurt. Whatever it is, these runs come to an end. But how long can Jim Crane afford to sustain and keep all these guys? That's the question. And it's not my money. Listen, if it was, if it was, if I was the GM, I was Dana Brown, I'd be like, let's sign them all. But Jim Crane at some point is going to say, listen, bro, the Floridian golf course I own in Florida and all these other things I own, they only make me so much money along with the Astros. I got to stop it. So they have to be able to develop guys. And eventually you miss on guys, you make mistakes. Again, guys get hurt and these all runs all come to an end. And we're, if you look at from what Todd said and then what Ken said, we're kind of looks like we're nearing the end of this Astros domination. Mm -hmm. And then, what do they do to continue it? That's the question that all organizations run into. Remember, they lost draft picks, too, from the sign-stealing scandal. I mean, all of those things you know, hit your farm system especially. Yeah, and I, I think 
I absolutely love this pickup. And I said it before, I like, this is a monster pickup. And if they didn't do anything else after this, I still think they're fine. Mm -hmm. So it was different for them just because they don't do it. But to see this happening, it's like kind of, it kind of solidifies the squad here a little bit with Caratini. And now with Hayter here, I, I think Astro is going to be right where they need to be firing all cylinders as the years go on and they're going to be a top team to contend with as the year goes mm -hmm. and by the way yes bregman is boris tucker is excel but still yeah and i actually think bregman goes to free agency i think tucker will sign and that's what dana brown said last year it was about halfway through the season he was like tucker's going to be an astro i was like wow. okay that's awesome if you're listen if you're a player and you hear the gm say that you're like Show me the money, Jerry Maguire style. Show me. Yep, make it rain up in here in Houston, whatever it takes. But listen, man, I, I mean, Boris doesn't sign guys, especially this late. So Bregman, yeah, he's pretty much going to be gone. But you also, again, you have Fromber. You're going to have Verlander up. Verlander's going to – is he going to be done? I mean, he's over 40 years old, so he's not going to pitch forever. Eventually, yes, everyone yeah. times up. <laughs> Didn't Verlander say he wants to pitch until he's like 45 or something like that? I mean, God bless him if he can make it that long. Dude, right now, I mean. <laughs> That'd be amazing. He's still going strong. I know he's had his injuries where he's missed some time, but actually that probably helps you in the long run. No? Less mileage. Yeah. yeah. That's what they said about, remember when he had Tommy John late in his career? They are like, oh, this is less mileage when he comes back. Came back better than ever. Yep. So, I mean, but again, father time is undefeated, Scott. Ask Todd. Everyone times out mm -hmm. of the game. Everyone, everyone yeah. gets passed by Father Time, man. No one can. No one. Tom Brady eventually had to tap tap out too. So, uh, listen. Satchel Page tapped out after Minnie Minoso after like seven decades tapped out. This it, it's undefeated. I'm with you. Me um, too. I agree. Well, good stuff from Ken. And let's show a little more on fair territory topics this week. Hater signing. The A's cluelessness about where they're even playing a year from now. They're like trying to talk minor league organizations probably into, you know, swindling them and playing there for free or something. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, free agency, state of print media. That's related to the SI news that, oops, oh, I just destroyed our desk. Uh, that broke on Friday. And then dude and dork of the week and Ken answering your questions in Grill and Ken. I don't think I've ever done that before. No, you, you, your legs are getting longer. Yeah, I'm growing. I'm a growing boy. Um, let's get it to the uh, BetMGM conversation here for a moment well, while we're on the topic and talk Houston Astros and their World Series odds, and we'll throw that up there for you in a sec while we fix the desk. Why not? Uh, presented by our friends at BetMGM. And uh, entering the season, they were at a cool plus 600. And then mid-season, when they weren't taking off like some people thought they would, they were at plus 1,000 in mid-July. You get to playoff time, and they get in. They win the division, so they actually got to plus 500 entering the playoffs. And now as we look at this team heading into the season, they're at plus 1,000. But would you throw a little down on the Houston Astros potential here for me. I mean, oh, yeah. coming off the hater signing, if this team gets there intact and healthy, we obsessively talk about bullpens in the playoffs these days, especially because also starters go shorter than ever. So that's the best you're going to get yeah. if they're healthy and looking like they usually do. Plus 1000. Not bad. 
better than the start of last season. I thought it'd be a little higher, like meaning like Like a little better, right? A little better, yeah. I thought it'd be like plus six, seven. Yep, agreed. I'll take that. Put a couple bones on it for sure. AJ, what do you think? Uh, I'd definitely throw some money on that because here's the one thing we do know about the Astros and and Dana Brown and and Jim Crane and whoever else is there. They are in it. They will go make the moves in the middle of the season they need to to help their chances in the postseason. So, again, seven straight LCSs, right? And how many World Series are that? Four or five? So, you you know they're going to probably be in the playoffs. And once they get there, they got dudes that know how to get them to the end of the playoffs. So, I mean, that seems that seems high to me, meaning, like, I thought it'd be a Brown where it started last year at plus 600. I know their rotation's a little bit thinner. But, again, if they're in it in the middle of June, July, they'll go get a starter. They'll go get what they need to, to put the finishing touches on a championship year. That's the key, too, is if you don't make moves at the deadline, you're not winning. You look at the case studies, almost every single season, there is some move. It doesn't have to be the world's biggest move. It no. could plug a hole. But, yeah, the Astros are known for that. And that's really, among other things, what was part of the kickstart, though, for them with Verlander the first time around. Yeah, I mean, if you say Verlander, whatever team he's on, I'm going to be – they got a shot. Yeah, I, I don't care who, who. Even the Mets last put. year. I, I thought Even they the had Mets? a, a shot. Well, I don't want. Hey, <laughs> come on! How many people were I, wrong on uh, them? To think that they wouldn't even. Did Did you have them as a playoff team? The Mets. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I you guess. probably I did, no, I dude. I don't think I did going into the year. Uh, we'll we're gonna have to do some receipt checking. Because uh, I mean, I know I had the Braves in for sure. Yes. They had the Dodgers Phillies. in. Cardinals, I picked. I, I'll wear that one. Phillies, Brewers, I think, were my fifth team. Yeah, I don't remember. So you didn't have them in? I don't think. With the highest payroll of all time? Well, we'll look back. We had a lot of Padre love on here. We did. We We did, did. me included. That was a massive disappointment as well. You had a third wild card. card, Sorry, my bad. Thank you. Last but not least. Yeah. Yeah, I was closer than Scott was who picked him to win everything. Yeah. Um, no, not the Mets. No, no. He yeah, was you saying you had... You picked the Padres and the Mariners to win everything. Correct. Right. So I didn't <laughs> pick the Mets. We're saying you had the Mets as the third wild card. I know. I know. I, yeah. I, I, they're, I sh- they were closer to that than they were to winning anything. Yeah. Correct. Yes. All right. Uh, let me run through. Uh, first off, the get five or place five, get 158 instantly. That's running right now. If you use the bonus code foul, place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through the BetMGM Sportsbook app of at least five bucks. You'll receive $158 instantly in additional winnings, regardless of your wager's outcome. When you download the app as a new user, sign up and deposit at least five bucks into the new account, place a wager in the amount of at least five bucks at standard odds price. And once you place that bet, you'll receive 158 bucks in bonus bets, regardless of the outcome of your wager. Now, we can say this. We hinted at it yesterday or Friday, but for Wednesday's show, it'll be just AJ and me, a little special at the mini setup, not the whole sports book shebang like we do during the season at Borgata in Atlantic City. But AJ and me will be there doing a shorter FT show because we will be entering the massive kind of big finish that they have here in january as Let's you can go. see the winter poker open going so we got to get you there one of these times i'm telling you dude big big buy-ins going down for the tournament we're going to see what aj's got and looking forward to some to some trash talking that aj's here's, gonna bring. here's how here's how it's going to go for me first okay. hand all in win lose done 
You won't. Okay, and then what if you win? Then I'm screwed. No, I mean, if not. you do second hand, okay. No, you're listen to me. You're going to be more am, competitive than you I think. I am not though. a. I am not a poker. I don't have the attention span <laughs> for poker. I can't sit there for seven hours and just go. What, what happens if they're feeding you like a nice steak and getting a little massage? You can get on the food, shoulders, drinks. You know what I mean? See, that's oh, awkward. As, it's awkward as hell, though. I'm sitting there. I'm eating a steak, and there's how many other people at the table, and I'm just like. Like Jim Leland used to be. Yeah, I won. Hey, I lost. The, wor- the worst part know. is you get that steak you've been waiting for for about three hours, and then you got a really good freaking hand, and you're like, no, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's the worst. Yeah. You're, you're chugging a beer. You're like, you're a little tipsy. You're like, damn it. All in. Ah, 2-7. Damn it. I screwed up. Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, idea. I mean, I've played a little bit of poker. I haven't played a lot. I'm not going to say I'm Eric Kratz. You know, I'm not, I'm not probably yeah. not going to walk out with a trophy, but I'm going to have fun with it and see what happens. Yeah. I think you'll do better than you Just think. Just give it your best shot. And then if you get impatient, keep going all in until they get you. I mean, and a few drinks doesn't hurt you guys. Okay. So you guys honestly have played more poker obviously than I have. Uh-huh. So if, if on the first hand, if somebody goes all in, right, either everyone's going to be scared to death or yeah. everyone else is going to, someone is going to match you. you, you, like, you let's see. Have one guy no. that's like this asshole. Come on. Let's no, go. it's not what you think. Well, if you do it, yes. But so, it's, it's what I call rolling admission or rolling registration, right? So it, the table doesn't start for everyone at the same time because you get people rolling into the tournament because there's so many people involved. You get people knocked out and people come in and it doesn't really, there's advantages and disadvantages because if you come in, you know, four hours later, some people have already built up chip stacks where they can bully you. So there's pros and cons for you and me. We're entering probably like three, three and a half hours into when it starts, there'll be people that go even later than that. So if, if you're dealing with people all in, like when I went last time a couple months ago with Kratz, I, I was saying this on one of the little social media hits we did was like, there was a dude who went all in like six out of 10 times and, and he did get knocked or whatever. <laughs> and it was a very weird, aggressive strategy, but he, he had like a pretty high chip count. And I guess he was just like, screw it. I'm going to really make a push here. I don't know. Cause I thought maybe this is just like an amateur who doesn't know what he's doing, but people are like, no, he plays. So, but I'm coming in. I'm like, I'm not trying to get knocked in my first, you know, I'm, I'm not getting knocked in three minutes. I want to yeah. at least get my money's worth here. So AJ, I just let him go. AJ's going to wear the glass and just be like this all the time. Oh, hell, I'm going to be like. There it is. <laughs> oh, yes. Nobody like, look at me. Almost. <laughs> Slim I'm not even going to look at my cards. So you got to be like. Don't even breathe. slow. <laughs> On the topic of shady, we had the Red Sox fan <laughs> event. Oh my god! Whatever they call it, that was a good one. That was a good one, Scott. <laughs> Thank I, got, you. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I get it too. 